What's up, man? What's going on, man? How you doing, man? Good. Welcome back to another episode of Footy and Coffee Conversations. You got your there coffee. We go. Got fresh, fresh, fresh. Just fired it up. Feeling okay. Good. What uh, what type of coffee? Um, slight plug here. We got the uh, Bridge City Greenville Triumph blend. Um, I think it's a little milk chocolate, oh. some notes of orange. Um, just a lovely blend um, for the hometown team here. Had to fire it up on the old Instagram live for us. I like it. I like that. That sounds good. Yeah, Green it's not too bad at all. What are you drinking? You got some uh, of that, that dark mud over there in Finland or what? I just got that dark, dark, you know? <laughs> yeah, that real thick stuff. <laughs> that stuff yeah, that stuff. Uh, the stuff that has crazy caffeine and they drink it at, you know, midnight. Like it's yeah. decaf coffee, no problem. That got me going through a lot of a lot of matches over there myself. A lot of late nights as well, so I can't complain. I like the stash. Hey, you know, we're we're in this together. I said uh, it was early on. I said I'm not going to not gonna lose the stash until we go back to training. And so here we are. We're, uh, I don't know what week it is, to be honest, week five, six of the no training. So we're just, we're holding it up. It's had to be trimmed a little bit, but. I, I had to trim the beard, but I said I wasn't shaving until we went back to training either. There you go. Yeah. So it's a rule of solidarity. I think a few guys on the team have picked it up. I don't know if anyone else has, but uh, uh, Bush, Zach, Steinberg, Zach Steinberger's turn it, tuned in, but I don't think he's got a mustache either. So Bushu has been growing his out. He said his, he? he said his promise. Some people can't tell, but he's growing it out. <laughs> yeah, I think we got a few of those as well here, but ah, it's all for it's all for the good of the good of the times, I guess, right? I like it. All right, just get started. Uh, Give give your little background, your name, where you're playing currently, what position you are. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Brandon Fricky, um, currently with Greenville Triumph, USL League One, um, center back, winger on the weekdays, but mainly center back on the weekends. So, um, yeah, that's about it. Pretty run of the mill stuff from uh, Grimes, Iowa, uh, Midwest boy, born and bred. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at now. Yeah. So for those who don't know so much about Iowa soccer, what's kind of the <laughs> soccer scene in Iowa? Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, it's, you know, it's it's there, but it's not uh, it's not super prevalent, I guess you could say, or it's not thought of to be super prevalent. It's not, you know, a hotbed in the United States as far as soccer talent goes. Um, you know, we've produced some really good players um, over the years, but, you know, a lot of the issue is just getting them all in the same place. They're kind of spread out, um, and, you know, there's some, some great coaches as well. But can we get the coaches, you know, a little more together? But, you know, I grew up in the Des Moines area, which is one of the bigger cities in Iowa. Um, so I was able to be around some, some good coaches, some good players um, growing up, you know, and they kind of showed me the right – path I guess you could say or put me on the right path and help me kind of get started on my my career when I was just a youngster so yeah I mean like I said it's probably not thought of as uh, the most brutal soccer grounds in America but we've we've produced a few pretty good players over the years and you know hopefully hopefully more to come and you know I hope personally I can be an example you know along with some other guys that I know um, try and set a good example and you know give guys I don't know if you don't want to call it hope but 
show guys that it, you know, if you stick to it, you can come out of Iowa and, you know, pursue your dreams and be a professional soccer player. So, yeah, 100%. I think you're, uh, you're doing a good job of that with your yeah. career. I appreciate uh, that. So just start, start telling us just a little bit about your youth career, uh, what clubs you grew up playing for, um, the process kind of, of how you decided on university. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I grew up um, just outside of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, played for a local youth club down there. Um, it's called Ankeny Soccer Club. Um, you know, a mid-sized club by any means, I guess. This was obviously before developmental academies in the United States, um, back in the ODP days, uh, what have you. So I played some, some Iowa ODP as well. Captain. Uh, captain of the Iowa ODP, I believe. I... Is that stat out there somewhere? That's, I don't know. I think we rotated captains every weekend. but I don't know. That's a stat uh, that I found. Yeah, let the stats live on, man. Stat quotes for sure. But, yeah, I played Iowa ODP. Um, maybe it'll be coming back now that DA is dying. I don't know what, you know, ODP is going to do. But Iowa, we always had some pride being from Iowa. Everyone thought we were the little guys. So we took a lot of pride in playing at, you know, region tournaments and stuff, trying to throw around our weight a little bit. But, um yeah, I played for those two clubs and then kind of reached a point, honestly, where, you know, myself and a couple other players um, on my club team, you know, we're, we're good players, but we were trying to kind of reach the next level, I guess you could say. And we got, you know, an opportunity to um, try out for what was at the time Kansas City Wizards, um, now Sporting KC, their youth affiliate club. Um, our coach had a connection to one of their coaches. Uh, put me and a couple other guys in touch, went down there for a tryout. So this would have been, I think, my end of my freshman years of high school, so 14, 15. Um, went well and ended up going down there. So I traveled with two other teammates at first from the Des Moines area. Um, we trained usually twice a week, sometimes three times a week down in um, Kansas City, which was about a three-hour drive for us. Uh, so that was that was a big sacrifice you know for our parents obviously mm -hmm. to commit to driving that long you know we were only 15 16 at the start so we couldn't really drive ourselves um started to towards the end but you know i'm always thankful for our parents for that because you think you work in a whole day and then you get off of work and you gotta drive three hours sit watch soccer practice for an hour and a half two hours and drive back so that was that was really awesome from them and you know really put us down the pathway to to kind of taking the next step as players um, was uh yeah. was the reason that you went there is that obviously you wanted a better club but were you thinking college at that point was yeah. professional soccer even on the radar pro, pro really wasn't on the radar um this was kind of like i i mentioned the developmental academies and that was kind of the route we saw the united states going and we knew Iowa was probably going to be a little bit behind that and we knew kansas city was lining up to you know set up their mls for an academy so we thought we should get down there and, you know, hopefully be exposed to the DA program, which eventually we were. My last year and a half was in DA. Um, and it was more so for me just to get more exposure to higher level, higher level college players and coaches um, and just, you know, better talent, better ability to kind of push yourself day in, day out. You know, for me, it was really college. It wasn't ever really a pro conversation. Um, I had one or two of those conversations with my coach at the time, but it, it really wasn't a realistic thing for me. I wasn't honestly a good enough player and I wanted to go to school. So that was kind of the, uh, 
the route that I was looking at and then it paid off. Um, you know, that's where I ended up getting, you know, more exposure as bigger tournaments, you know, on a better team um, than we had in Iowa. And um, that's where I got connected to, you know, the Butler coaches um, as well as some other coaches and kind of kickstarted my recruitment process. Um, and then I was actually kind of a late, late decision maker, I think, because I didn't commit to Butler until what would have been February of my senior year. Oh, wow. Um, that is late. Which is pretty late. Um, you know, I had a few options, and none of them were, you know, screaming out loud to me and eventually went on my official visit to Butler and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, the campus, uh, the team, you know, everyone I interacted with was awesome, and the um, just overall experience was great. And they offered what I wanted from an academic standpoint, so – I just thought, you know, this this all makes sense. I love the city, Indy, and um, I actually knew who ended up being my roommate all four and a half years there was a goalkeeper from Iowa as well, um, Andy okay. Holt. So he was already committed, and, you know, all the factors combined just kind of made sense. And, you know, that's when I committed to Butler and finished out my high school career. And then, yeah, I moved out to uh, Indianapolis to play for the Butler Bulldogs. So. That's how we got shout, there. Shout out to the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs is right, yeah. Fun, fun little fact, actually, the first professional game I went to uh, in the U.S. for soccer was a Wizards game down really? in Kansas. So. At the, was it when they were playing in the baseball stadium, or was it, were they playing in the – they played in a baseball stadium for a while. And I, I don't think it was the baseball. I they, they bounced around, and then they did, obviously, a really successful rebrand, and that was – I was there right before the rebrand, so – yeah, All Wizards it, here for me. It might have been. It might have been the baseball field. I'm not sure. Yeah. It was. I mean, we were real close to them, and yeah. there wasn't you know such a big crowd at that time either. So yeah, it was yeah. a fun little time though. Oh yeah, they always great atmosphere. Those early MLS games. I, mean, I can remember like I used to go to a couple Fire games, some Kansas City games. Yeah, it was different time for sure. But I won. Fun. I won a shirt there. You know, they were throwing shirts out everywhere. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that shirt is still to this day too big for me. <laughs> they always were like XXXLs. Yeah. So I guess they're just probably getting rid of them. But especially in that uh, in that time frame, I think that was such a style of the, the oversized yeah. T-shirt. Yeah. Oversized T. It was probably like it was probably like a Got Milk T. I feel like that's all they had back then. Gatorade, Got Milk, but. Yeah, so that's how I short. Long story short, ended up at Butler. So. Yeah, so you you get to Butler freshman year. Um, we had uh, Eric Leonard on earlier. Okay, yeah, yeah. He talked about his fitness test experience his first year and failing oh. it the first time. Um, what's your experience first uh, freshman Actually, preseason? So Leonard, I played with him one year at Butler. He came in as I was I was heading out and. Uh, so when I came, I was recruited by Kel Kelly Finley, um, who I think he's coaching college, maybe at Liberty. Anyways, he, he recruited me, and then he ended up leaving after my freshman fall. We had a really good year, um, and he got an opportunity to go coach in the ACC for NC State, and he left. So I had a different fitness test than Leonard. And it was actually funny because you know how college works. It's like from a certain day – um, you can start everything basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kelly was a blue collar guy, pretty, uh, some would say a grinder, I guess, but his mentality was like hard work over everything. Right. And so we, uh, 
we could start on whatever day it was, you know, Tuesday, August 10th. So we were supposed to run our fitness test that next morning on Tuesday at like, whatever, nine o'clock, meeting at eight, nine o'clock fitness test. Instead, Kelly and some of the older players decided it'd be a great idea. If we can start on Tuesday, let's start at midnight on Tuesday. So we literally drove and we didn't have lights on the track. It was a track fitness test. Um, we didn't have lights on the track at Butler at the time. So we had to drive a couple guys cars down, park them around the track. And we literally ran our fitness test at midnight. Oh and my goodness. That was, that was wild. I was like, I passed purely on adrenaline, I think. I don't know. I can remember John Dawson, our goalkeeper, limping across the finish line. Uh, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, we ran it at midnight, and it was, it was like, a wake-up call for me. Like, I'm like, my mom just moved me in. Like, I'm a little scared 18-year-old, you know, like, don't really know what I'm going to do with my life. And then next thing I know, coach is texting us, be at the track by midnight. We're going to run our fitness test, so probably helps because it built the adrenaline even more so i was like i'm not gonna fail this there's no way i can be a freshman and fail my fitness test but got through it um good story good experience it was fun because it was kind of something different um not a lot of teams obviously run midnight fitness tests so yeah that's think, not a common thing <laughs> no i'd like to think we maybe bonded a little bit over that but no it was cool so yeah that was my first college fitness test experience so Jeez. couldn't really yeah get much different from that and then snape came in and ran the the fitness test that i'm sure leonard spoke of and i always did well on the track test that one was a uh, that one was all right for me and then we had to do a shuttle test as well but i don't i don't know if i ever officially passed that test but it was kind of a loose pass it was like as long as you're getting you know a few a few of them will let you slide as long as you weren't getting one or two you know then they were kind of hard on guys but it was interesting. Fitness tests are always always an interesting dynamic, I think. But I think it's it's so interesting what uh, different coaches do. Exactly. First day of preseason, our coach always decided he was going to do like a I don't even I guess I call it like a gauntlet day because we would do yeah. five different training sessions in the first day. Just try and kill you. Just burn your quads and hamstrings yeah. for the rest of the preseason. Run you into the ground and see who shows up tomorrow. Basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so then what, what's going on at Butler for you? Are you getting a lot of playing time starting out? How does that happen? Yeah, so I guess coming into Butler, honestly, like, I didn't have low expectations, but my expectations were, like, hopefully I can become a starter, you know, in a, in a year or two. And on top of that, just get a good education and, like, be able to play soccer. That was more or less kind of my mindset, um, right or wrong, going in. Um, and first year, we had a really good team, and it was a pretty veteran team. I think we had 11 or 12 seniors, um, which is, you know, pretty heavy loaded on that end. And then we had some good players. So the two players in my position at the time um, ahead of me were Connor Burt, who was a four-year starter, captain. And then we had Matt Hedges, who's currently, I think, yeah. maybe the captain of FC Dallas. So. Um, yeah, and he moved on, obviously, has had a really great career in the pros, and when did I think he, because he transferred out that year before his senior year and won a national championship with um, North Carolina. So those were the two guys in front of me. So obviously it wasn't a, the best outlook. Um, but, you know, I was just trying to kind of learn, like I said, and hopefully improve that first year. And 
I did a lot of that, I think, and it was tough at times. You know, a lot of guys coming in from being the best player, like you, at any step you take a next level, it's going to be tough at first maybe, but, um, you know, there were some, definitely some hard times. I can still remember when, you know, Coach Finley kind of said, like, I think we're going to redshirt you, and it was like, even though I kind of knew it was coming, you always hear that and you're like, oh, man, like, actually happened. Like, it's not, you know, yeah, not going to kind of come together this year like I had hoped it would. Um, but at the end of the day, like, honestly, I was on a five-year um, academic program anyways. Um, and so the red shirt, in retrospect, was a blessing for me because it allowed me to kind of, A, have a really good learning year, basically, and then, you know, kind of move forward and, you know, have the time to, to, to develop as a player and not really rush anything, which, you know, anytime you hear that news in the moment, it's kind of, you know, a disappointment. But in the long run, looking back, like, I'm really glad it happened. And I had really good players in front of me that I learned from that year. So I can't complain. So that was my freshman fall. And we actually, our first game we lost that year was in the NCAA tournament, which is wild. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Like, we were really good. Still back in the Horizon League days. So just grinding out wins at, like, UW Milwaukee and, like, Green Bay, all over Cleveland State, just all over the Midwest. Just really good blue-collar team. Um, lost to Michigan State in uh, almost, almost, it was like an 86-minute winner. 0-0, zero, zero, just a hard fought Brutal. Game. Brutal. Yeah, it was tough. So I've always had a a bit of an issue with Michigan State, even though I wasn't playing in that game. I don't know why, but um, so yeah, so obviously we were a really good and successful team. Um, so that was a great experience just to kind of give me a winner's mindset, I guess, um, and show, you know, kind of that side of it, how you can win and really grind and work hard. Because there are a lot of players that were on that team that maybe weren't the most talented, but some of the hardest working, you know, honest people around. And they kind of showed me that value as well. Um, and then, like I said, that success kind of was a springboard for Kelly and the staff. They ended up taking an opportunity at ACC with NC State. And then, you know, we lost a lot of seniors. So it was kind of back to, to level one for us. Um, and that's when Coach Snape came in and, you know, was working. I think we had 12, 13 healthy guys that spring. So, like, our goalkeepers, oh, wow. were, our goalkeepers were playing on the field in some spring games. Um I remember my roommate, Andy, he, he hit the post once playing winger, and we were like, that is probably your only chance like you're ever going to have <laughs> to score a goal in your collegiate career, and you, you just put, hit, put it on the post. But, uh -oh, brutal. Yeah, so we uh, – yeah, I mean, we kind of had to start over basically. New staff, you know, not a lot of players. We lost, obviously, some recruits that went with Kelly, um, which is, you know, kind of normal process, but just kind of starting there. And so – whether I was ready or not, it was almost perfect because then I was almost forced to play. Like, we just didn't have the players, and I got that much needed, you're going to play because we, you have to play. Like, there's no more sitting around. We need players to play. So you got to get thrust into the fire, right, and just start to learn on the go. So I think that first year, like, having those older guys in the fall and having the experience of having to sit and kind of learn and then – being thrust into the fire and being told like all right now's your time like you got to play and you got to learn and grow that was a really just overall a good balance and a good experience for that first year um and kind of you know like i said it was a springboard moving forward and you know it wasn't like i was like overnight a really great player you know by any means it still sure. took some time after that but you know looking back that was a great starting point and kind of helped kick things off and then you know, we had a couple tough years there. My 
what would have been my red shirt freshman and sophomore years was kind of the rebuilding years for Snapey and, you know, bringing in some, some players that he recruited and, you know, um, just kind of rebuilding a system and a, a style of play that fit, you know, his vision. So we did that and, you know, it took, you know, like I said, some, some time to kind of work out with, you know, is expected, I think, you know, as you know, as a coach and as a player, like visions usually don't just happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, snap of a finger. It's kind of hard. It takes a little time for any good work to really come fruition. So, absolutely. So, yeah, so we ground, I think it was, yeah, two seasons there. And then, you know, as this is all happening too, conference wise, we were just all over the place. So I played in, I played in three different conferences in three straight years. I came in, we were in the Horizon League. And then this was all due to our basketball team having the success that they had yeah. at the time. And it was like um, uh, Horizon League. And then we went to the A-10 for a year. And then we went to the Big East. So, you know, each step with that, I thought, uh, you know, was kind of a step up in competition too. So not only were we were kind of rebuilding, but we were stepping up in competition as well. So that, you know, aided in some things, but it obviously – um, you know, made it more difficult, but it, I, you know, it improves you down the road. So it was good from that aspect. So then I ended up, yeah, in the Big East, played two years there, which would have been my redshirt junior and my redshirt senior fall. And when, when in uh, the college career does professional soccer become kind of a realistic goal or option for you? That's that's a good shout. Um, honestly. I can remember it because we had we had our end of year meetings, and it was it, I I'd kind of had it in the back of my mind, but it's still my still my track was I was still on track to do a five year program, so I still would have had, you know, two years at this point I think. So after my redshirt junior year, so maybe my th no, it would have been after my redshirt sophomore year I think. And I remember I went into Snapey's office and he said, kind of like, listen, like you're improving a lot you know, if you want to, you know, kind of really dedicate yourself to this, I think you could have a shot. You know, it was no, like, we have scouts talking about you, like, nothing like that. It was, we've seen great improvement. We see, you know, the potential for more, kind of, if you want to kick it in gear and we really work on this, you know, another year and a half down the road, we could see potentially, you know, getting an opportunity. So at that point, I was kind of like, wow, like, not really in my head, um, kind of in the back of my head, but, you know, maybe why not take a look at it? Like, it's every kid's dream as a soccer player to, you know, play professional. I guess I shouldn't say every kid, but, and of course, it was mine, mine as a younger player, like, who doesn't want to play pro, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, let's really kind of push it. And, I had to change up some stuff. You know, I'm always thankful to like my academic advisor because I was like, I'm not going to leave Butler without a degree. Um, and I went into her like the next week and said, you know, here's what coach says. Can we, can I graduate in that time frame? Because I wanted to be available for the draft, right? In January. Um, and she's like, well, let's figure it out. And next thing you know, um, she worked some stuff around and she said, yeah, we can get it done if you want. And so I put myself kind of on that academic track to graduate in that December, which I think helped kind of push the soccer side as well. There was no lingering of like, okay, well, 
you know, if I don't go pro, well, I'm still going to be in school. Like, it's fine. It's all good. It was, no, I'm going to end school so that I can go pro. And that was kind of like a set in, uh, you know, a set in stone moment where it kind of put it all in reality and we kind of kicked back and started to focus, you know, I dedicated probably more, but I was working hard and stuff in the summers and the off seasons, but I dedicated more to soccer, I would say, but, you know, it was just like, now we have an actual time frame and let's stick with it. So um, I'd probably say that. And then, yeah, about a year and a half, my last two seasons in one spring um, was all she wrote. And that was kind of the end of the college route. And um, yeah. Yeah. That kind yeah. Of that's that one, that's yeah. a good, no, that, that's good. That's uh it's nice that you, you're still able to get your degree, not having to, you know, change something and give that up and yeah. try to decide which is worth it. Cause a lot of players get into that situation and yeah. I don't think yeah. that's a, to have to pick one or the other is never any good. Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of guys get stuck in that. And then you, you know, you always run the risk of going back to school or, you know, or you commit to a team, but you're in classes and what does that look like? And so for me, it was just, I wanted to get one out of the way so I could focus on the other. And that's, that's kind of the route I took. And some guys are able to do it the other way, but that just wasn't really my mindset at the time. So, yeah. So that's now, now you, uh, you graduate from Butler, talk through that first, uh, December, January after university. Yeah. So end of, uh, end of the season, it was kind of, you know, myself, um, Zach Steinberger, um, and we had a couple other guys that were interested in playing pro. So obviously coach Snape kind of helped us out. Zach was, you know, a, I would say a bigger recruit than myself, but he helped us both out trying to get into some combines. Um, you know, a lot of guys that have been through this process are familiar, but it's like you try and get in, in front of as many eyes and as many teams as you can. Right. Um, so we went to, I went to a couple of like private team kind of in, individual team invites and then it was mid-December. I'd gone to like two or three. So my coach, I had a coach in the summer. So I always played in the summer for Des Moines Menace in the PDL. That's where I'm from. And always loved playing there back home. Um, well, they, they coach, play at, a, what, West Des Moines High School? Yeah, Valley and West Des Moines, yeah. Shout out. Yeah, the old, the old West Des Moines. I don't know. They don't play there anymore. But, well, that's a long, that's a different story for another time. But, um Anyways, yeah, always played there in the summer. And the coach at the time, my last summer was Mike Jeffries. And he ended up getting the job at Charlotte Independence, which was a new team at that time in USL. Um, so he kind of had brought me into their individual, you know, team um, workout, whatever you, what you want to call it, you know, trial. Um, for a weekend, I did them. I did one or two other places. So he was, he was obviously interested because he knew who I was. And then I went to Columbus Crew had a like a draft combine type thing um, where they brought in a lot of players and had some some coaches there, and I was actually felt like I was playing really well, started really well, um, and then I went to I was playing left back for some reason, which is this is probably why I should never huh. play left back, but I was playing left back and I got forward and went to have a shot. And it was, it was a weird one. It ended up in a tackle. And immediately, it was one of those where both players kind of strike the ball at the same time, you know? 
Yeah. Um, and neither is really fully committed. And I took one step on my right foot. And I was like, this isn't good. I could feel it. Like, and then I walked off. Turned out it was a pretty bad MCL sprain, grade three. Uh, so. Take me out for, you know, probably the next couple months at least before I was at least playing at all. So that's mid-December. So I'm like, man, this is just not great timing, obviously. Um, and, yeah, so I wasn't able to do any more combines, any more trials. And I still had conversations um, with Mike Jeffries because he was the only coach in the pros that I really had a good connection with. And Snapey, I tried to reach out to a few, but the only promising route was kind of Mike. And it eventually came to a place where he was like, you know, we'll probably take you. We're still working on some things. I was like, okay, awesome. You know, I'm still, this is before the draft, everything. And I'm still rehabbing a knee that I didn't think was going to be anywhere near ready to play. And the first two rounds of the draft happened. Um, didn't get selected. Wasn't really expecting to. Obviously, being injured, the second two rounds are going on, and it's it's late. Haven't heard my name, which, again, I wasn't really surprised because I didn't, I didn't see a reason to really draft me as a team if I'm injured, um, which is an interesting outlook. But... I'm driving home from somewhere back home in Iowa. I think I was actually rehab, a rehab appointment, and my assistant coach texts me, and he's like, hey, congratulations on getting drafted. I was like, getting drafted? What do you mean? And then my mom called me, and she's like, oh, my God, you, know, like, you were just drafted, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, like, I wasn't even following it. I was just like, wasn't even thinking that it was going to happen. But I ended up did get drafted by Colorado, who were the affiliate of Charlotte. So I think okay. um, Mike had kind of said, you know, if you've got a late draft pick and, you know, want to give this kid a shot in preseason, you know, take it, might as well type thing. And unfortunately, you know, they called me and they're like, hey, can you come out tomorrow? And I'm like, I would love to, but, like, I still can't even run on my knee. Like, it's just not going to happen, at least for two or three weeks. And they were like, okay, like, totally understand it you know we've been in touch with mike at charlotte and so down the road as they were affiliates so like you know if you go for charlotte we'll keep an eye on you type thing and so then i ended up following through with charlotte um and signed a rookie deal there um and yeah so that's kind of how we ended up in charlotte which the fact that they're were affiliated with colorado is interesting but um yeah you know having the connection that i did with mike and he you know, was willing to bring me in, even though I was, you know, still in the rehab and kind of coming back to play process, which, you know, was, was fortunate for me because not a lot of coaches would have done that had they not known the player and known what he could do. So that's how I ended up in Charlotte. So yeah, kind of an interesting one there too. But. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of the story here, but a little teaser for the people is how, yeah. uh, how valuable Des Moines Menace has been for your career. Yeah. Super very, valuable. Yeah. Very that's just that's just that. a snippet right there, but yeah. Yeah. So you, you get to you get to Charlotte, uh first year in the pros. Yeah. Uh, what what's your experience? Are you starting? Are you playing games? So coming in, um honestly, you know, Mike had kind of told me like, you know, this is your first contract. We we kind of see you as a a competing, you know, three on the center back kind of depth chart if you want to call it. Um which I thought was fair, like 
A, I was still coming back from an injury, and, and B, I had no experience at the pros, and I assumed they were going to bring in some pros at that um, position, and, and that's ended up, you know, what happened. Um, unfortunately, the knee took a little longer, I think, to heal, and I kind of missed out on the kind of time in preseason with the team, getting up to the speed of play and everything that I would have liked, and I only ended up joining in, like, the last – maybe two weeks of preseason, like full go. Um, and so that was tough because I think that's a valuable time for any rookie to kind of get oh, into yeah. the, speed of, the speed of play. And so between kind of missing that time and then not fully trusting my knee yet, I was definitely behind the pace. Like there was no question about it. Like I didn't feel like I was really close to, you know, the level, the standard at the time. Um, so that was another like tough pill to swallow. It was kind of like, um, you know, they say lightning doesn't strike twice, but honestly, it was very similar to like my first fall at Butler. Like things were, you know, hopefully going to go well, but this, the circumstances didn't really play out that way and kind of found myself on the outside looking in, um, which was, it was tough. Um, definitely tough at first, especially kind of mentally to deal with both coming back from an injury and, you know, to, to kind of get up to the speed of play at a new level, new town you know, new team, style of play, all the stuff at once was just a bit overwhelming mentally. And I don't think I was ready for that at the time mentally. You know, I hadn't really trained on that aspect enough. Um, and so that kind of, you know, I don't want to say set me back, but it put me at a spot where it took longer to kind of get up to things. And it wasn't until probably, you know, middle of summer where I kind of felt like I was comfortable playing um, with the speed, with my body. And then I honestly, I had a couple on and off injuries um, throughout the summer. And then it was just kind of one of those combination of some injuries, some inconsistency for me um, that just never was ever really able to break into the team. Um, and the two center backs in front of me, I thought were, were really good players as well. So, you know, even if I were healthy and, you know, playing my best footy, it was going to be tough, but I kind of handicapped myself, you know, mentally, I think. And then, you know, trying to deal with a couple injuries, it just, it was tough. But it, looking back, it was a great, great learning experience and, like, showed me that I needed to dedicate more time to the mental game. Um, that was something that I hadn't approached enough, I don't think, and kind of seen it from different angles. You know, it always been kind of a one approach, um, you know, kind of a hard work, wins all almost approach. And, you know, that, that year kind of definitely opened my eyes to like the necessity to look into different mental training or, you know, different strategies on, you know, how do you deal with setbacks? How do you deal with injuries? How do you stay consistent? Because as most college players that transition to pro, I think would say like in college, it's, it's a sprint, right? It's yeah, two, three, months, three of months of nonstop games. And once you go, you go, you go, you go, you go. And it's almost like you don't have time to think or blink and you can kind of get through it and then take a breath. And it's like, okay, you know, you move on, you have your Christmas break, you, you know, you move into the spring, but like anyone that's been in the pros also knows that's more of a marathon. Like what you do in March doesn't dictate always what you're going to do in August. So, you know, the, the ability to kind of, you know, how do you want to approach a full season like that, especially from the mental side and train, you know, your body right and have the right 
you know, fitness, both, both sides of it was, was crucial. And that, that first year really taught me both of those, I would say. Yeah. No, that is a major difference of college and professional. It's like you get the first year as a professional and you get preseason done in the first five games and that's your college season. You're like, all right, I'm ready for a break now. Exactly. And you get the break and it's like, then you can recharge and everyone goes again. But yeah, it's definitely a different beast um, in the pros, but Yes. So then kind of talk briefly just about the next couple of years. Obviously, you decide to go a different route than trying to stay in the U.S. at that point. Um, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So obviously, this is where, you know, you and I got initially connected at Bridges. Um, I had known about it um, and Emil had picked me up as a player going into Charlotte Um and Bridges and Butler have worked together in the past, you know, the likes of Eric Leonard, J.C. Aikenhead, an older player. Um, yeah, that's a throwback. Yeah, yeah. A couple guys, um, some soccer guys as well. So they had a connection. That's where I got connected with Emil. And um, he was the one that kind of said, you know, to come into Bridges and train that off season, and then we'll look at the opportunities. Um, so for me at the time, you know, coming off a year where I barely played, I just wanted, you know, a fresh start. Obviously, Charlotte didn't pick up my option, and I wanted a fresh start. We did a couple of trials in the States, um, but nothing was really, really looking great. And that's, you know, it's tough when you don't play. I think a lot of players will reflect on that, even if, you know, you're good enough. A lot of times teams don't necessarily see that if you don't play games, they want to see you play games and they want to see, well, why didn't you play? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, anyone can rack up a number of excuses, but the fact was I wasn't good enough or ready to play that first year consistently or, you know, significant minutes. And that showed because I didn't. Um, So I kind of think I needed a fresh start and, you know, Emil and Bridges are obviously well connected in Scandinavia. Um, And for me, I like the idea of, being able, it was kind of a life thing as well. Like if I have the opportunity to use soccer to travel the world or see a different culture or see a different lifestyle, you know, like yourself, it was like kind of a double whammy. Like, why wouldn't I, uh, Absolutely. you know, I get a fresh start, a new league, you know, new coaches, um, you know, a different system where I can hopefully grow as a player, but also just like do some different things, get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, and that's kind of why I told Emil, like, you know, let's look at Sweden, Finland, see what the options are there. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to take that opportunity now. You know, I was, what, 23 and single, and I was like, what do I have to lose? Like, Yeah, why not go see the world? Yeah, why not go take a chance and see something different? So, you know, that was when I kind of said, let's start looking. And then he did his legwork, and I remember it was – it was like late January, early February. Cause as you know, teams over there usually start preseason or they, they almost don't stop training, but they yeah. definitely, they definitely start preseason um, a little earlier than we're accustomed to here. Um, and it's kind of a slower ramp up. So teams were obviously already in, you know, the beginning stage of their preseason in early January. And he kind of reached out to me. I think it was on like a Tuesday night and said, listen, I got, you know, there's a, there's a team playing a tournament um this weekend they they need a center back um they're they're willing to go american like if you want to go play in that tournament and then he's like we've got that was a division two team so you know in sweden that's the fourth tier nebro 
and then he's like, we've got a couple different um, backup options. If that team doesn't stick, that you can stay over there and hopefully get some trials. I was like, man, like, okay, I'll think about it. And this is like literally on Tuesday. And I, the tournament obviously was Friday, Saturday. So I was like, well, I best I better decide soon. So I just talked it over with, you know, my mom, my family, some, you know, just a couple close friends and said like, should we do it? And in the end I was like, you know, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to take a chance and book my ticket. Like Wednesday morning, flew out Thursday, got off, you know, got off the train and Copenhagen went to Vicwa and played in a game like literally that day. And it was like, it was just, it was wild obviously with the time difference and not knowing the language and all that fun stuff was just like totally out of the realm. And I remember, I, mean, I don't know if Eric was on here earlier, but I don't know if any, uh, any of the Negro guys are on here right now, but the first time in that tournament it was indoors. I got like a, a square pass from the other center back and I looked up to take like, take a look and I looked down and the ball had rolled right under my foot went out of bounds. Uh, I'm like, this is my first impression. Like over here in Sweden, like these guys are going to like, there's no chance I'm making this team. I'm like, Hey, we'll call the next one, mate. But uh, back, back on the plane on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, luckily recovered. All right. Um, played well enough in that tournament. They invited me in for, for a week's training and uh, ended up signing after a couple weeks with Nebro. Um, and then, yeah, played there uh for so that would have been the 20 2016 i think yeah played there yeah, 2016 played there um and that was a good year um for for myself just to get games honestly like to play consistently um a lot of growth a lot of learning getting outside your comfort zone it's like you don't speak the language you don't know anyone um you know but you're there to do a job so i looked at it like that and like you know, at first it was more mostly about the soccer, and I think I could have done a bit more on like the the traveling and whatnot. But you know, the balance is is always you're always trying to find a balance, right? And for me, soccer was still the the really the only focus, which is fine um, for a lot of guys. But did that um, was able to travel a little bit in our summer break because um, most leagues over there have have breaks for any of those that don't know on the chat. But travel a little bit over the break. Um, team was okay we were kind of towards the bottom but I was playing consistent so I was happy with that but wanted to win and the cool thing is you know for for people on here that are only familiar with U.S. soccer at the end of the year we were in a relegation battle which you know you can't get over here um, which is kind of cool and probably not the right not the side I wanted to be on I wanted to be on the the going up battle the but promotion side but. yeah we were in the relegation side but um I think it was yeah, we were in we were in the relegation battle. So it was like the top the bottom two teams officially went down and the third to bottom team had to play a playoff with the team from the lower division. So we ended up being third from bottom, having to play a playoff game and it was awesome because it was like home away, home and away, um, aggregate goals, like everything you watch oh, wow. up like Champions League, you watch like aggregate home and away ties. Um and so we, I remember we went on the road and we won 1 0 on a penalty. Yeah, we won 1 0 on a penalty. And then we came back to our place because we were the higher division. We came back to our place and we were losing 2 1. 
at home. So that would have been, they would have went through on aggregate, 2-2 on away goals. And then Andrew Chang, uh, another Bridges guy, uh-huh. scored in like the 84th minute to make it 2-2. And we ended up uh, going through 3-2 in the end and stayed up, wow. which was really, really cool for, you know, to see the people and, you know, the small town Nero, they loved it. And that was that was a really cool experience and obviously something you can't get in the States as well with the relegation promotion. So Now, it probably also helped that you won the game to make it a really cool experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would have been kind of a bummer, obviously, the other way, but it was like celebratory. Everyone was like celebrating like we won in like a championship. So that was that was awesome, like just to see the locals like really happy about that. So it's been it's been funny how uh, how many guys that have been on the show that have gone and played in Sweden had experiences with either relegation or promotion their first right? year. Right. No one no one's finishing middle of the table on the teams they're. Going I know, to. right? It's like they always throw us into the fire over there. It's like. We're trying to stay up, or we're trying to, we're trying to go up. It's like it's one or the other. But I like the the guys that get signed mid season for the first uh, first uh, year in professional, and they come into a team, and the team's like, "All right, we have twelve games left. If we lose two of them, yeah. we we're going we're, down." We're, <laughs> that's that's basically what what our situation was, man. Like we signed Sean Bauman and Andrew Chang mid, you know, in the summer on the Bridges tour, because I was like. I was telling our, our GM, our sporting director and like coach, I'm like, Hey, like we've had a couple injuries. Like we could really use some reinforcements. I know this, this team's going to be over here. It'd be great if we could, you know, try and get a couple of players. And it was just like you said, it was like, we signed them, but it was like, all right, now we have to win. Like we cannot mess around here. Um, but yeah, no, a great experience. Like all around. It was really cool to be part of. So, yeah. Yeah, so you fin- you finished the first year. Um, what are you thinking at that point? Back to the U.S. or you're enjoying your um, Europe? Kind of. I wasn't really set either way, to be honest. Um, I wasn't keen to go back to Nebro at the time just because I wanted, I wanted to see what other opportunities there were to hopefully move up either there or come home. Um, but I wasn't dead set on coming home. And I actually ended up having to have a surgery that off season on a sports hernia. Um, and the recovery for that also, you know, wasn't terrible, but it set me back a little bit. So I lined up a couple of preseason um, looks here in the States with teams, um, nothing, nothing stuck. And I was kind of just getting back to full fitness. At least I felt like it. And, um, that's when I was like, well, I could go back up to Nebro, but I wasn't like still 100% fit. And I wanted to hopefully be in the States more so. So I said, you know, I want to get to the summer window in the States and see if, you know, some teams have some injuries or, you know, a spot opens up, maybe I can jump in. And that's when I got, you know, reconnected with the menace. Um, John Pascarell was coming in and he knew me from Kansas City. So he was a goalkeeper coach there when I was a youth player. Um, so we had some ties there, and he's like, listen, come in here. You'll be, you know, one of our veterans. Um, you know, if you do get a pro look at any moment, you know, we'll let you go, of course. And, you know, I was like, okay, I couldn't really argue with it because I know, you know, the Menace have a great professional setup. Um, and I knew John was a good coach. And, you know, anytime you're on a successful team, it helps uh, kind of magnify your, you know, opportunities i guess you could say especially as a center back i feel like yeah because you're not yeah. getting so many stats when you when you're not getting bashed four goals every game and you know you're winning and 
you know, your team is defensively sound. That usually helps as a center back. So um, I was like, yeah, like I'll stay here through the summer. And then, you know, I talked to Nebro and a couple other teams in, in Europe that do sign in Sweden specifically. I do sign in that kind of July window, um, as you know, and had some options come that time if something in the States didn't pop up, which is timing is actually great because the PDL is usually wrapping up about mid July. And so I knew like, okay, let's give it everything we got here in the States through the middle of the summer. And if we don't stick anywhere, you know, hopefully we can jump overseas again. And that's ended up what happened in, um, signed with Nebro again, finished out the second season there. Unfortunately, we ended up getting relegated that year. Um, so that was tough. We, we were close, almost stayed up. Um, but yeah, I think we lost it. It was like on goal difference or something. It was, it was tight. Like oh, at the end. Of yeah, it was really tight. Um, ended up going down, which was tough for the club. You know, it felt some, you know, obviously when they bring in players from abroad, you know, you always feel, I think maybe an extra little weight, um, in those situations, um, just because, you know, they're bringing you in to do a, do a job and the job didn't get done. So, uh, you know, kind of felt felt a little heavy with that one but you know it was a great experience again I've made a lot of great friends in that area um lived with a awesome family the Olsons who put us up some of us from abroad and you know they're going to be lifelong friends as well as some other people so can't can't knock any of that um and then being able to play is always great so um did that so I kind of split that season half and half and then the following year I was kind of like, well, I've done over in Sweden twice now, and I wasn't getting looks to really move up. Right. Um, and so I was kind of like, well, I'm going to go back in the States and, you know, hopefully um, hopefully we get signed or do something, you know, in the States. I might move on. Honestly, that was kind of the point where I was at was like, I'm going to go in the States and, you know, try and find a team. And if not, it'll be time to kind of see what's next in life. Um Ended up going over, had a couple of kind of loose Indivite trials, um, nothing really stuck, and then was with Indy 11 um, in training in the spring. And they they had a couple of injuries, and the coach at the time um, kind of said, um, you know, like, you can stay in as long because we could use the numbers. You can stay in. Um, we we're not going to sign you at the time, but you're more than welcome to do stay on training, stay fit for any other opportunities. So I kind of stayed there, which was good because I, I liked being in India. I had a great living situation with some friends there from college and, you know, was doing some odd ends and jobs and, you know, looking for some, some other stuff at the time as well. So I was like, I'm going to stay fit. And then I ended up going back to Des Moines um, because the assistant from the year before became the GM and said, come back here. We're having a stacked team because it was – for people that are familiar, it was the year that the NASL folded randomly and that kind of messed with a lot of stuff in the U.S. Mm -hmm. soccer landscape as far as player movement and whatnot. Um, so I ended up going back to the menace um, with, I think we had, I mean, we had as many, you know, ex-pros as you could or over 23, I think is the rule. You can only have so many or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had as many as was allowed and we had a really good year. We were regular season champs um, in the PDL. And then nothing nothing came about um, during the summer. And I went back to Indy, um, resumed training with Indy 11, was kind of just doing my thing again, working some odd jobs, 
um, you know, kind of doing some stuff to keep my resume up to date um, and was kind of ready to, to push on. And then in the fall, Nate Miller, so the USL League One launched and Nate Miller, you know, called me and, you know, I had a couple other coaches as well, but Nate had seen me. We played in the PDL semifinal. Um, he was coaching the team from Michigan at the time from Lansing that actually turned into Lansing Ignite. And that's how that connection was formed. He saw me play there. He had known me from college and brought me into, you know, the first year of Lansing Ignite, which was now last year. And he was first year League One. And, you know, we've seen, obviously, I think, mostly success out of that. Um, some stories like the Ignite, not so much, but from an overall perspective, I think it was good for a lot of, you know, younger players or a lot of players looking to get their footing. Um, it was a great entry point for that. Um, as yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you knew, but Nate was my uh, assistant coach in college for three years. At Taylor, right? At Taylor, yeah. yeah. I didn't well, know if you guys overlapped, but so he he came in his first year ever of coaching was my freshman year so we kind of okay. we kind of grew up the the ranks together yeah. in a sense you know yeah figuring no, out things Nate's Nate's a great I think he's I think he's going to be honestly a really good coach um, mm -hmm. we had a good experience last year I I saw a lot of growth you know in him personally as a coach. Um, just learn the ins and outs. That was his first year coaching pros as right. well. Right, that's it's a big difference than college. It's, it's a big difference, as you know as well. Like it's just it's just a different beast. Just the players, the the structure, you know, finances, all the all the stuff that's different from you know a college college setup. So you know, there's growing pains with that, and there's opportunities to grow and learn. And I, you know, I saw a lot of that for him, and I think we both have a lot of respect for each other because we both, at first, there was. I don't want to say friction, but, you know, for the whole club, it was just tough to get going at first. And, you know, he named me captain and I took a lot of responsibility from that. And, you know, the team not doing super well at first was tough on both of us, I think. And we both took a lot of that responsibility. And, you know, there were some tough moments there, some tough conversations. But at the end of the day, we both kind of persevered and he stuck to his guns and adapted slightly as a coach. But taught us you know a great way to play and eventually it started clicking and you know it showed with our success in the second half of the year I think and you know what could have been a championship run it got cut short but you know yeah. finished second in the league and you know to start playing some of the soccer that we did towards the end was was really fun it was a really great time so absolutely there's a shift around mid-season that you guys go on a pretty incredible run uh what what's kind of what all came together to make that happen um I mean, it's a lot of things to be honest, but I think it was, you know, I think you, you'll probably see this or have seen it as a coach or as a player. A lot of times it's not like one thing that just clicks. It's usually a culmination of a lot of stuff that's been put in place. And then all of that has been working towards it. And then it just starts happening the way that you've been playing it or training it for months and months. And that was kind of, I think our case, you know, we, Nate was teaching a style and a play that was tough for a lot of guys at first and a lot of first year pros, honestly, I think myself and, you know, our goalkeeper were really the two guys that were playing consistently about midway through the year that had any real pro experience. So mm -hmm. 
it's just a lot of adjustment for a lot of guys and he you know kept preaching kind of the same principles and we worked on it we worked on it we worked on it and you know like you said eventually it does just kind of come together and it's like it is in a way you have that like eureka moment where you see like okay now i you start to believe in the process that you've been working on so hard it's kind of hard at first when you know, the coach is saying, well, just keep doing it. We're doing the right things. We're doing the right things. You know, maybe we're not winning, but we're doing it right. It'll come together. It's hard when you're like, you're not winning. So it's yeah. like, are we really doing the right things? You know? I mean, it's like, you got to have kind of that, that perseverance in those times. Um, and I, I credit the team a lot for that and Nate himself and the staff to kind of push us through the, that first half and say like, we're training the right way. Like this is going to start clicking, like just keep it going. And then, you know, we had some performances where we played really well. I can think of, you know, Tormenta away, um, a couple matches where we really played really well and the result didn't come. And we could kind of feel it like we deserved more in our performances. And then, like you said, we started, like, we just started, went, like, just started happening. Like, some guys yeah. really caught fire, you know, Rafa, Toomey, um, Pato, some of our strikers just started finding the back of the net. Defensively, we tightened up a little bit, focused on some some of the nitty picky things, um, and then just the style of play. It was just it was it was really fun to start playing it. And you know, once you start winning and seeing the product is is working, then you know you, the train's kind of rolling at that point, right? You can kind of really keep going. So I think that's kind of what happened. I can't point to like a specific training session where we like changed things, you know, and it was like now we're going to do it this way and we're going to start winning. It was more the, no, we're keeping with it. It's a slow grind. It's a slow grind. And then start happening. Okay. We're playing well. We're maybe not getting the results. And it was like, Oh, now we're winning and we're playing well. And then you get that confidence about you. And especially some of our attacking players, it was just like, you couldn't stop them. Like they just started going in the final pass, the final ball was clicking and, you know, it was really fun, honestly, to play in. And I got to see a lot of it from the back, so it was, it was fun from my perspective, too, just to kind of help organize it and see it all click and come together. So. Yeah, and you, you've talked on the mental side before, um, just in your own career and learning that. But I think that's, uh, you know, something like last year is probably also impacted by that mental side of when you, when you finally start clicking as a team and you start seeing the results, of the hard work that you're putting in and training and what you're trying to accomplish, the the effect it has mentally on players and as the team, as an attitude, when you when you go onto the field, it's like you expect to dominate and win now. And it's a, yeah. it's a crazy switch, but the swagger or whatever that the team carries yeah. at that point yeah. is, is unstoppable. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and like you said, you can honestly, like you can sometimes you can see it in players. Like you can see in the way a player carries himself and I think the best players, like and a lot of guys learn as they go in their career, are able to carry that presence and almost tell themselves into it, even when things aren't going well or they aren't doing, you know, the best or haven't had the best spell. You know, you see it in a lot of, like, strikers. They're still willing to take the shots and still willing to, you know, take the chances and try or, you know, the defenders are looking for the right passes or what have you. But, you know, it's the ability not to shy away when things aren't going well and then keep doing kind of the, the tough stuff and, you know, know and trust that it will come together. And then you can kind of have that, that bravado, you know, you want to say, but it was, it was cool. It was cool. It was yeah. Fun. So, so then obviously uh, the season 
And um, there's disappointment that you guys are in the locker room and uh, kind of a bombshell is dropped on all of you guys. Yeah. The, the club is no longer going to be operating. Uh, what's kind of the experience with that? I think uh, it's got to be difficult, and especially for a player that's kind of, you know, you've been jumping around trying to find your, your footing, essentially, and now you found it, you're a captain of a club that's having success, and then it gets pulled out from underneath you. Yeah, um, it was tough. Honestly, like, we we didn't know, and we didn't – I don't think anyone really saw it coming, um, you know, because we were like, we're good. Like, we're playing well. We're winning. Like, okay, we lost in the semifinal to a good team, but – you know, we had, overall, we had a great season and saw a lot of great growth. And a lot of guys, a lot of key guys were under contract. And I know from conversations before this all went down and even after, you know, Nate was very excited about, like, the potential for year two of that team. Um, and I was I was ready to go back. Um, you know, we hadn't discussed details, but I had said, like, if we can work something out, like, you know, I'm, I'm good to be here, like, we just we'll deal with it after the season you know it was kind of the point we were all at because we were focused on that late late season run um and then yeah we lost and we lost on a saturday um in the semifinal, and we got told on monday morning that the team was you know no longer going to exist and operate which was just a bombshell and anyone that's played in the u.s soccer landscape for a while probably knows that you know this is how it goes with some teams like financially it's it's hard to run a lower league team and you know sometimes it just doesn't make sense and owners you know make calls based on what they think is right and you know whether you agree with that or not is probably you know they don't really care they have to make a decision on how they want to operate and you know so our owner made his decision um and you know it was tough for a lot of guys especially you know, you got a room full of young guys that have just kind of found their way and a lot of young pros and they didn't know, you know, what, why, like we we're playing well, you know, you think you're playing well and you should be rewarded, but sometimes that's not how it works. Um, that's just the harsh reality of kind of the business world, I guess you could say. Um, a few guys have obviously seen it or been experienced with it. So, you know, I can't say I was hundred percent surprised because the you know, numbers of all the League One teams surviving after year one maybe weren't, you know, super high. But obviously it was tough because we'd formed a good team and a good companionship. But, um, you know, like you said, for myself, it was kind of like, well, what am I going to do now? Like, I was ready to be here, um, you know, and maybe see out the last couple of years and then move on. But um, I actually had a conversation with Nate after the season where he kind of said, like, listen – you've had such a great year. If you're going to have an opportunity to keep playing, like if you want it, I think you need to take it. Like why? And now, cause I kind of expressed to him, like maybe this is just time to kind of move on like a natural progression team. Mm -hmm. ended. you know, I can move on to whatever's next. And he kind of, you know, said like, you still have plenty of playing ability in you. Um, and kind of drove me to keep my, you know, mind open to opportunities and, Luckily, you know, John Harks here was actually pretty quick to get out to me. And that made me believe like, okay, there will be actual opportunities. Like it's not going to be waiting until February again to hopefully sign somewhere. So 
you know, the fact that he reached out so soon definitely helped the transition process as well and showed me that there are other coaches that, you know, have some faith in me and would want me to, to play on their team. So, um, real, real quick before you go yeah. on with, with this part of it, uh, just for people who maybe don't know or realize they might think, oh, you, the team gets folded, but other teams in that league will come calling for all the players on that team. I mean, they started in that league. Of course, they'll get picked up. But yeah. what people maybe don't realize is, A, they already have their own players. But B, especially in the U.S. with, with college soccer, every year you have new kids getting drafted and those kids not making their MLS team and getting sent out to these yeah. lower division clubs. And so the, the window of opportunity with the club is very short and very small in the U.S. Yeah, 100%. You're spot on, Emma. You can see that, especially on like a lot of our younger guys' faces. Like they had had some security, and a lot of them weren't look. They were looked over by the bigger clubs, and they were like happy to have found kind of a home. But um, <clears throat> for a few guys, I think it was a good opportunity because you know they were in contracts and they had the opportunity, I think, to move up. And maybe they wouldn't have done that had they you know stayed with the ignite. But you know, for the most of the guys, it was, it was tough at first. But yeah. Um, Luckily, John reached out pretty quick um, and, and was aggressive. And obviously, I saw the success they had here in Greenville last year, um, a good team. And, you know, there were a couple other teams that we spoke to, but none of them were um, a, as aggressive or felt like a good fit like Greenville did. And especially, like, as a player, you want to coach, you know, to, to kind of want you, you know, there's that feeling of, being, you know, wanted or desired as a player. Um, I don't know if it strokes the ego or what, but I think it helps build a good relationship. But, um, you know, John came to me pretty quickly and we were able to work out something, um, you know, relatively soon. And, you know, I decided I wanted to, you know, keep her going at least for another year or two and see what happens. So that's how we ended up in Greenville. And yeah. Our, yeah. And I, I don't know if it's, if it necessarily has to even be ego with the coach, Wanted. Yeah, I think it's ego's also, probably the wrong word. I think, I mean, I think it's also just as a player, you you want the the best experience you can have as a coach that wants to fight for you and will do anything yeah. to for you to succeed as a individual, both as a human being and as a player. So I think if there isn't the feeling of a coach liking you, it's difficult to yeah. believe that the coach is fully in your corner. No, that's that's I like I like the way you put that. So that's a coach's way to put it. There you go. It sounds yeah. better than ego, right? There you go. Yeah, uh, you're right. But yeah, so yeah, that's how we end up in Greenville. So. Yeah, so obviously you get to Greenville. Uh, you start preseason this year, um, yep. and then it gets cut cut short. Right now we're on pause. But so far, what's your experience been with Greenville? Uh, it's been great, honestly. Um, the club, top to bottom, is you know run very professionally. Um, the owner has a stake in it. You know, you can feel it. He actually just sent out a letter to all of our fans, season ticket holders, um, players included, um, which, you know, you don't you don't always see just kind of a letter of encouragement. But, you know, for an owner to be that invested um, in the team, you know, we see him quite often, which is which is good. He doesn't muddle in the soccer stuff, but just he's around and shows his support and appreciation. And, um, you know, the coaching staff's been great, obviously playing under a guy like John Harks, who you know has had a great career himself as a player. Um, is a good experience because he has a lot of, you know, firsthand knowledge of the game. Um, and then, you know, Greenville is actually a nice little town, to be honest. It's it's good. I didn't get to explore, you know, as much as I would have liked to because the weather wasn't great. Um, 
but hopefully once you know we all get moving again and stuff we'll be able to get out a little bit more and see some of the sites in the area but no it's a good team um we got a deep team this year i think um a lot of good players really every positions you know got competition which is is good for success i think on any team um so hopefully hopefully we can get going here pretty soon and start ramping up because you know i think we're all missing it yourself included i'm sure so yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to get into some questions. Uh, I have some questions to ask you. If anyone has one that's listening, just drop it in the comment section and we'll get to yeah. it. Um, first off, just talking kind of about the whole uh, pause on the season. Uh, we've been kind of terming it separation season. Um, okay. Ability to, this is the first time where players, it's fully on them to if they're going to improve. Uh, separate themselves from other players. So mm -hmm. what have what have you personally been doing in this time to kind of stay ready and stay sharp? Um, well, I guess first you'd say there's the physical aspect, right? Like um, we're slightly limited with, you know, the equipment, not having access to gyms, but, you know, you can still do a lot. Um, our strength and conditioning coach here has put us on, you know, I think a really good program. Um, we have good weather down here, so we're able to run outside a lot, which is nice. I know some people don't have that luxury. Uh, I don't know how it is in, in Vasa right now. Is that Vasa, right? Just south of Vasa. Okay, yeah. just south of Vasa. It's not, it's not so, so nice weather. Maybe yeah, like yeah. 37. So I'll take advantage of that for you because I think it's it's been about se mid-70s and sunny most of the time here the last week or two. So, so I'll soak that up a little extra for you. But, um, yes, I mean, just staying on top of the workouts. We do actually twice a week with the team on Zoom workouts, which is kind of nice just to – try and stay, you know, somewhat as a team. Um, a lot of hit cardio on those, just some longer runs. And then myself and my roommate um, and a, a goalkeeper, which we've kind of termed our quarantine group, um, we get touches, you know, a few times a week doing some technical stuff, um, just in a local patch of grass, basically, because a lot of the parks are still closed. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, just trying to get creative. We play some soccer, tennis, um, just juggling with the ball on my own, which is something I wouldn't do, honestly, like during the season, like after a long day's training, I'm not going to go out into the, you know, the open area here and juggle the ball for 30 minutes, but it's something I'll do now. And I think it's good just to get some extra touches and, you know, work on the technique um, in a way you don't usually. And then um, been watching some old film actually, which again, when you're wrapped up in a season um, as a player, I don't watch a ton of film except for kind of the last game and then pre preparation for the next game, maybe some on the opponent. But uh, this is kind of, like you said, afforded the opportunity to kind of really look back. And I've looked through all of my, like, highlight tape or instat stuff. You know, I don't know if you know, but, like, they break down all your clips mm -hmm. from last year, so I have access to that. So I've been able to kind of go back and just dissect – kind of, you know, my tendencies as a player, um, where I can improve, like some stuff on that, seeing stuff on film and really taking the time to break it down, which, like I said, when you're in season, you kind of focus on, okay, what did I do last game? Where was I good? Where was that work? Can I improve? You focus a little bit on the opponent, you move forward, you know, and then it's kind of a cycle, right? Um, but now this has kind of allowed me to get a bigger overall picture and consume more of a longer span of games and see kind of what are my overall tendencies. So that's been, that's been nice. I mean, obviously maybe there's some things that not so nice that I can work on, but overall it's been good. Cause you know, you see the bigger picture and, and then, like I said, like on the mental game, just been in, honestly training that 
um, a lot as well, trying to actually pick up meditation a little bit. I see Joel Zimmerly might be involved here. I know he's a big meditation guy. He, uh, he actually used to meditate and I kind of introduced me to the idea. And it's kind of one of those things you kind of personally, like I do it, but I don't do it, you know, and this is kind of afforded me the opportunity to kind of get into that. Um, some yoga and then, you know, some mental, just reading some books, um, on kind of some different mental kind of aspects and, you know, how to train the mind or hone the mind in to be, you know, better prepared, however you want to call it, just more aware, more self-aware, um, and able to kind of tackle life once it, you know, hopefully eventually comes back at us full swing. So yeah, that's the, that's the long I, that, That's some good things right there. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's important too. Um, you know, the, the mental side of this gives us so much more time to kind of stop and reflect on things, yeah. which as you said, in, in, in a normal career, it's always go, 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 go next thing, next yeah. thing, next thing. And so you might look back yet yeah, to three days ago to the last game, but you're not looking back and really studying two exactly. months ago. Where was I at? What was I doing? What's my development been? Where can I go from here? So yeah, I do like that. I think too, It'll be interesting. I don't know. It's my theory with it. Younger players, this is maybe worse for in a sense because they need games, 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 and now they've just had you know too long of a break. But I think for players that have maybe played longer and have had you know season after season after season, not that the break is good, but it allows them, affords them some time to rest and recover and kind of come back maybe fresher yeah. than you know what. At, at most, you get a week or two off in off season yeah, of, yeah. of actual off before you start ramping it up for the next year. Yeah, no, you're spot on. And I think you see that even in our team here with some of the older players are definitely taking a little more time to like not go, go, go on the like fitness and soccer, but are you know training some other ways and just taking some time. Like you said, just take some time. Just if you've got it, enjoy it because you don't always got it. So, hundred yeah. percent. All right, um, let's see. Your Bridges five-a-side. So we've been asking guys that have been involved yeah. with Bridges what their five-a-side plus a goalkeeper is without MLS guys. There have been some, uh, some heated, heated discussion. So I, after you told me I'd probably get this question, I, I gave it some thought. I've racked up a short list. And I, I was thinking I only really train with Bridges consistently for about three or four weeks that one off-season. So I'm trying to limit it to either that or guys that I've played with that I know are Bridges guys outside that. So would Grant Stoneman count? Do you count him? I'll allow it. I'll allow it for you. I'll give, I'll give Stoneman in my defense. I want X in my midfield. I'll take Cause somewhere on the field just because he will run around and be a psycho. I'll I'll take Leonard because he's a great he's a great one on one defender and I know he'll work until Brett Hall shuts the lights off. So I'll take him. So what is that? That's four. So more of like a goalie and a striker. I know, I'm trying to think of who my strikers are. I'm gonna throw one at you because I c I couldn't remember a goalie, and that's probably bad on me. Cause like, I should know my goalies. They're, as a they're only saving you when you make a mistake. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a wild card here because when we were in Sweden, Simon Magali would train as our fourth goalkeeper. 
<laughs> so I'm going to put Magali in goal is that he actually can make some saves, and I think you'll have good distribution on a five-a-side. So I'm going to go with Magali in goal. He might be a bit of a, a liability, but he'll also create some opportunities going forward. And then striker. I know I'm going before striker. Big Ramon. I was kind of big Ramon. I know they converted him to center back, but my time at Bridges, he was a striker. He was absolute beast and terrible I, to defend him. Yeah, so he turn you left and right. He pulled the ball up. I think in my five side, I'll just I've got a lot of guys on there that can run around and create chaos, and I just want a big focal point up top that we can dig the ball into and let him just knock it around to the other guys. So I'm going to put Big Ramon up top. I don't know how many goals I'm going to get out of him, but I'm going to get a physical presence and, yeah, an intimidation factor, honestly. So I like that. I like yeah, that. that's that's a tough team to beat. I mean, they might be beatable, but they're going to work hard. That's yeah, a we're going to work hard. Are we playing in Soccer City? Where is this 5-7 yeah. oh, team? Of course, of course. Oh, yeah. Then City. I definitely want that team. I definitely want that team. <laughs> and I want Brett Hall has to be there on the sideline yelling at everyone. I love that's, it. That's a that's a given. Um, what would be if you had you know? I might take Woj as a stroke. Woj, but keep going. I didn't know he's kind of been in the MLS maybe. So I you know. Uh, I'll allow it. Yeah, Woj. A lot of people. But I like Ramon. Okay. I like Ramon. All right. Woj is too refined. I need a, just a bruiser up there. All right. <laughs> um, so if you were if you were able to go back to you know fifteen year old self and club uh -huh. soccer, uh, not really sure what your career is going to be at that point. What what's kind of the advice you would give yourself? Hmm. Advice to younger players. I would probably say first and foremost, I would probably say touch the ball as much as you can really work on first touch because I think that's overlooked, especially in American kind of youth. At least it was at my time. It might have, you know, gained some traction lately, but back in my day, first touch wasn't a thing. And I think you see the best players in the world and they have a great first touch, not just to control a ball, but setting up what your next movement is. Um, so I would probably say touch a ball as much as you can. And then I think don't focus so much on winning, but focus more on just the improvement and learning. Because what, what can you take from game to game outside of the winning? Because I think winning is something that comes secondary to doing the right things and learning and improving in the right ways, especially as a footballer. And that's something that I, I learned second, you know, later in my career is just do the right things, put in the right work, improve day to day, and the success will come later. I mean, that's kind of the story of our Lansing team last year, right? Like, we improved, we worked at it, and then the winning came eventually. Um, and so I think that would be one. And then just have fun, honestly. You know, I, I did have a bit of fun, but I think there are a lot of players that are maybe feel pressure for whatever reason, get into a good school, win the game, impress whoever. But, like, if you're not having fun playing, then it's not really worth You're not really playing. Yeah. Either. Why you know, do it? Just, why do it? Like, you know, there's going to be some days maybe it's not the most fun, but I would say try and have a good time with it because not a lot of people get to play for a living and have fun. So enjoy it. Absolutely. I like that advice, though, too, of almost the winning is the byproduct of doing the little things right. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Now you, every, or a lot of places that you've been, you've been named a captain. Uh, you've been viewed as a leader. Even guys on this show have spoken highly of your leadership abilities. Uh, not, to, not to ask you to toot your own horn or anything, but yeah. what, what attributes do you think that you have um, makes you so desirable to be a captain of a team? Um, I, think, uh, I think first and foremost, my position, being able to see the whole field and see the whole picture is a big advantage um, from like a, an organization standpoint. And, you know, it's hard for some players on the field to be able to help organize and motivate their team when they can't see the whole field or, you know, strikers, for instance, you know, they can only see so much at a time, you know, I can see the whole field. So I think that definitely aids, like, especially in game, um, being able to see and put guys in the right position. That's something that, you know, Snapey at Butler, I was pretty quiet, to be honest, like, as a younger really? player. Like, going in, like, it was kind of a, like, I didn't, I don't know if I didn't understand the game or, you know, I was just focused on doing my job right or what have you. But I was, I wasn't super, like, commanding and loud. And he was on me, like, early, like, you got to talk. Like, if you're going to be a leader and if you're going to be in this position, I need you constantly talking. And it almost, like, became a way for me to stay engaged myself, like, keep me in the game is to talk to the people around me and like constantly help organize the team, put players in the right position um, to succeed. And I think that from an early on, the pressure, like you need to talk, you need to talk, you need to talk, helped me to kind of get out of my shell. And it just became kind of secondary nature. And so now on the field, you know, I don't shut up usually like, and it's just, it's just a habit. And I think, I've learned also like how to tailor that conversation towards different players as I've gotten older and, you know, gotten to be, you know, a leader on different teams with different types of players and just learning, you know, there's certain guys you need to put your, put your arm around and talk to them after training. And there's certain guys you can, you know, rip into during training they, everyone responds differently. Right. So being able to, to know your, your teammates and what they need to succeed, I think is crucial. And that's why I try and like form a bond, or a connection with each of my kind of teammates early on and just see who, who they are as a person, what, what helps them, you know, succeed and, you know, what's their demeanor, what's their personality, because everyone's different and everyone needs to be approached differently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are some things. And, and then outside of that, I just try and lead by example and just work hard, like set the right example for everyone around you and people will kind of follow. That's my, my position on that. So yeah, hundred percent. I like it. I approve. Um, how obviously now you you've had a lot of years of experience. Now you're no longer a, a fresh young whippersnapper of the a rookie career. Um, how Not these knees, my friend. Not these knees. How do how do you continue to grow and uh, stay motivated in the game after this long? Um, like you said, there's. Like, I, I've learned so much more on, like, the mental side, first and foremost. And that's still, like, that's a constant, like, life growth thing. You know, the game has a lot of translations into life and vice versa. So it's kind of nice because a lot of sh stuff we learn on the pitch we can translate into life. And stuff Absolutely. we learn in life you can bring into the pitch. So I don't really see that as, like, you know, 
me working just on my game, but it's, it's a good life principle, just like improving some mental tactics and like how to, how to manage people, how to manage your own, you know, demeanor, um, to get the most out of yourself and those around you. So like, that's a constant battle because there's always tweaks or there's always little things I think we can do as players and people to kind of, you know, see the world a little differently or, you know, get 1% more out of a certain area of ourselves. Um, then outside of that, like done a lot of like more tactical learning and how to, how to adjust the game tactically. Um, you know, for instance, like in college for like I could, I could ping a 60 yard ball to a winger on a dime and like the crowd might like it. I might feel good about the pass. Like it looks great, but like it didn't accomplish anything, you know, like I maybe put the winger in a crap position against a really good, left back and the center back's covering him and it's like the pass looked great but it didn't really accomplish anything so like being able to see the game from a level above you know just being in it is something that you know i'm trying to work towards and nate showed me a lot of that last year honestly like teaching me to see different angles um, you know how can we create overloads you know either with superior you know you can call it qualitative superiority like better players um or quantitative like get more players mm -hmm. than they have so just some different tactical things and you know i mean that's a really easy one to do honestly like for any player just go watch the best players in the world and see what is it that they do and how can you translate that in your game um so yeah so stuff like that i like it good answers i uh i appreciate you taking the time to to discuss and share your career it's yeah. been uh you know, you've, you've gone all over the world with it. It hasn't just been a straight up trajectory, but you kept grinding, kept going and have had a lot of success now with it. Uh, excited to see, hopefully you're back soon with Greenville training, excited to watch some games. Hopefully you dominate and getting stuck in on some boys. Right. Throw a few early tackles in, get rid of the, uh, the, what you, the separation, uh, separation period. Just been out here tackling. I was, t I, all that stuff I was saying was, I just been out here on the grass, just tackling the ball, just slide tackling, just getting ready, getting ready for when I meet Eric Leonard. I don't think he's still on here, but just let him know. I like it. Now okay. I I've been pushing for every team the first day back in team training to film their team rondo because I think oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so bad the first day back. <laughs> that's actually that's funny. That's a good idea to be honest. I think uh -huh. we can get involved in that because we usually film our training so that they don't they don't always come out until. You know we're doing the the grunt work of the the main part of the session or whatever so i'll try and get get john on that and be like let's film the rondo and have a look at it and then we can we can do it again in three weeks once we've gotten the rust out that yeah that's what i want to see because i think it's going to be dramatic inside of like two weeks from the first day back to how quickly it comes back to everyone that's a good shot man yeah <laughs> that's a good shot for sure all right so, man. Yeah, man, i appreciate you having me on this was awesome well, yeah i appreciate it have a good night yeah, man. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. See you. Bye.